In our study uh, through Acts, we're traveling through the book of Acts. And uh, so this morning, kosher, no more. Uh, what I know about kosher could be summed up in this jar of pickles. I mean, that, I mean that's about it. Uh, but as we, we traveled down the road last week with Pete, Peter's on a rooftop and he's hungry. God's timing is impeccable, isn't it? And it's just comical. Peter gets hungry and then he has a vision and it's this vessel, kind of like a, a sail or a blanket and it's just all this, this food that is dropped in front of him and God says, kill and eat. And Peter says, I'm hungry, but I'm not that hungry because that's not kosher. I've never had any of those unclean animals. And then God says, hey, Peter, what I call clean is clean. It's okay. Still, Peter protests, no, no, I'm kosher. I don't eat that stuff. And God's third time. And so then Peter's trying to figure that out. And so that really brings up, there's dietary laws in uh, the Old Testament that Peter, as a Jew, practicing that dietary law in the first century, that, that idea of kosher came up. And because I don't know much about kosher, I thought maybe we'd have a little kosher 101. Kashrut is the Hebrew word, is the body of Jewish law dealing with what foods we, I got this from Jewish literature, so the we there is Jewish, we can and cannot eat, and how those foods must be prepared and eaten. Kashrut comes from the Hebrew root kaf, that's that backward C is a kaf, and then a sheen, and then a ray. Kashrut, little Hebrew for you this morning. That's the script, kashrut. It means fit, proper, or correct. The laws of kashrut elevate the simple act of eating into a religious ritual. A Jew who observes the laws of kashrut cannot eat a meal without being reminded of the fact that he or she is a Jew. Why do Jews observe kashrut, kosher? The dietary laws have some beneficial health effects. The short answer to why Jews observe these laws is because the Torah, the law, the first five books of the Bible, says so. We show our obedience to Adonai by following these laws, even though we, do not, we don't know the reason. God says it, we do it. Just blind obedience. Lastly, the dietary laws are designed as a call to holiness. The ability to distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil, pure and defiled, the sacred and the profane, is very important in Judaism. Imposing rules on what you can and cannot eat ingrains that kind of self-control, requiring us to learn to control even our most basic, primal instincts. Kashrut. Kosher, dietary laws are, are part of a bigger package that our world calls purity laws. To speak of purity is to speak of order. Where do things belong? Every society in Judaism, dietary law in particular, but even in our own society, 
has systems or categories of purity, whether that, that society articulates them explicitly or not, these purity codes provide the society with meaning, orientation, and maps of behavior and belonging. Now, taking that general idea of purity laws and going now back into Israel and Judah, as in other ancient Near Eastern societies, purity was always an important category. The, the intent, there's this intense Judean interest in purity that peaked during the time that we're reading in Acts. During that first century, it's called the rabbinic period, and that's where, when that, there was a whole order. It's called Seder. You've heard of Seder meals. Uh, that's where the Mishnah, what the Mishnah is, if you take the 613 laws out of the Torah, and then you, you just give those to centuries of rabbis, they give you volumes of interpretation. When God says this law, it means this, and this is how we apply it. So Midrash is just this, this, this volumes and volumes and volumes of how we're going to live this out. And during this, this rabbinic period that we're talking about in Acts, there's just this explosion of how do we as Jews lift this out, and it's because the Mishnah took shape in the period of Roman domination. So there was the, mix, the mixing with foreigners and then the lack of external controls. So when, when the Roman Empire comes into Judea, you, you lose your boundaries. You're now being absorbed into a bigger empire. There are now foreigners. There are now Gentiles that live uh, where you're living. How, how do you maintain the social and physical boundaries? And you do that with purity laws. So if you can understand some of that from the kosher to the purity laws and how that works, that's the malu that when Peter meets Cornelius, all of that's going on. Because Peter... We all remember him as a Jewish fisherman, but he is a devout Jewish fisherman. And it is in his, his practice, he is trying to maintain purity by what he eats. The reason that he would not go to a Gentile's house to eat is because what the, the Gentile serves may not be kosher. And so if he ate that which was not kosher, then he would become unclean. That's not, it's not a sin to become unclean. He would then just have to go back and go through ritual to become clean again. So in some ways, it's like, why do I want to hassle with that? But then, then you begin to cross some other boundaries where, okay, but we're, we're the clean people and the Romans are the unclean people. We're the holy people, they're the profane people. So it begins to take on more than it's just a hassle. So there's these dividing walls between a Cornelius living in a Roman city called Caesarea and Peter visiting a friend, Simon the Tanner, in Joppa. And those are two worlds separated by miles and miles and miles and boundaries that we call purity laws or dietary laws. And when God speaks to Peter on that rooftop, all of a sudden, God is rearranging his world. So that's where we are in Acts 10, verse 17 to 29. As Peter 
puzzled, sat there trying to figure out what it all meant. So he's had this vision. It would be a disturbing vision. We're going to see in a moment that he gets it. But, I mean, he's, wow. God just, God just explained something to me in that vision that is very, very different than the way I've been living my life. It's a very different orientation. It's going to mean change. How much change? What's going to happen? So he's trying to figure that all out. And the men sent by Cornelius, remember Cornelius, at, you know, a little bit before Peter has a vision, Cornelius is visited by an angel. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He's a, he's a godly man. He's a man of prayer. And he is a, he's a generous man. So he gives lots of alms to the poor. And what the angel says to Cornelius, who's in the Roman, Gentile, unclean world, the angel says, Cornelius, your prayers and your, your alms, your care for the poor, has risen and he uses sacrificial language. It's like, it's like a sacrifice on the altar in Jerusalem that's risen before the presence of God. And so, God, I'm here to tell you, God wants you to go find Peter because Peter has a story you need to hear. So these three guys show up from Caesarea to Joppa. One of them is a Roman soldier, so he's dressed in his uniform. He's, he's, he is Cornelius's like, most trustworthy soldier with two other guys. They go to get Peter. So they show up at Simon's front door. They called in asking if there was a Simon also called Peter, staying there. Peter, he's on the roof. He's lost in thought, trying to figure out, how am I going to live this out? And so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to whisper to him. Maybe even had to shout, Peter! Three men are knocking at the door looking for you. Get down there and go with them. Don't ask any questions. I sent them to get you. Peter went down and said to the men, I think I'm the man you're looking for. What's up? And they said, Captain Cornelius, Cornelius the centurion, a God-fearing man well known for his fair play, his generosity, his care for the poor. Ask any Jew in this part of the country. Was commanded by a holy angel to get you and bring you to his house so he could hear what you had to say. So the story of Jesus, the story of Messiah coming, the story of the king, the story of the kingdom being inaugurated, that story being told to Jews. An angel says, go get a Jew. His name is Peter. He's following Jesus. And I want that Jew following Jesus to now go to the Gentile world and tell that story. Peter... At this moment, Peter already gets it. Peter invites them in and made them feel at home. That means Peter says to these Gentile visitors, I may, I may not understand everything that God has revealed to me in this quick vision, but I know this, you're welcome in this house. I don't know what Simon the Tanner thought of that because it's not Peter, Simon Peter's home. But come in. And when he makes them at home, what that would mean in the Middle Eastern world is he gave them food. 
So they ate food, they shared food. Maybe it was safe food because it was kosher. He's in Simon's house. But come in. So this boundary, this purity law that separated people, it's coming down. It is coming down quickly. The next morning, Peter gets up and he goes with them and some of his friends from Joppa. That, again, those would be Jewish friends. <laughs> those wouldn't be, there's, there's no Gentile friends in Joppa. So Jews following Jesus are now going to Caesarea, this Roman city built by Herod the Great. A day later they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had his relatives and close friends waiting with him. The minute Peter came through the door, Peter came through the door of a Gentile's home. Jews don't do that unless Jews have a vision from God that says, I'm making changes. And I'm bringing something new and better for the Jew and the Gentile. I'm bringing something new and better for all of humanity. And Peter walked through the door. Wow. The moment he walked through the door, Cornelius was up on his feet greeting him. Roman, Gentile, unclean, greeting, Jew, fisherman, following Jesus, clean. Purity law separated them. It's gone. They're embracing each other. And then Cornelius falls to the ground <laughs> on his face worshiping Peter. And Peter pulls him up. So none of that! I'm a man. I'm only a man. I'm no different from you. I'm just following Jesus. That would be his, the only thing that separates us is I'm a Jew following Jesus. You're soon to be a Gentile following Jesus. Talking things over, they went on into the house where Cornelius introduced Peter to everyone. Everyone would have been every Gentile that was part of Cornelius' family and friends. And then Peter addressed them. You know... All, all of you Gentiles, you all know uh, that this is highly irregular. Jews don't do this. Jews in the first century don't do this. We don't visit and relax with people of another race. But God, but God, <laughs> but God has shown me that no race is better than any other. So the minute I was sent for, I came. No questions asked. But now I'd like to know why you sent for me. As you, as you, as you read that story, as you listen to that story, you know, there's just a couple of things to underline. One, Peter figured it out pretty quick. And maybe that's the way it is. I mean, when God really speaks to us, when God communicates to us, whether in this story, whether it's through a vision that God brings to us, or an angel, and he says something to us, he explains something to us, even something as dramatic, this, this is a huge change. Peter got it. I mean, yeah, he's sitting on the roof puzzling. He's trying to figure it out, but he figures it out. And he figures it out pretty quickly. And inviting these guys, he figured it out. Going to Caesarea, figured it out. 
The minute he walks through the door and he and Cornelius embrace, he, he's figured it out that what God was saying through the vision wasn't just about food. It was about people. And the division that had been created between the Jew and the Gentile, God is saying, That's, that, that, I'm removing that division. There's not going to be a division anymore. I'm bringing something new and better to Jew and to Gentile. When Peter says, all, all of you know, all of you, you all know that, that me, a Jew, a kosher Jew, a religious Jew, being here with you in this house, you, that's highly irregular. He actually uses a word that says it's unlawful. And it's, if you go back, and it's, not, it's not breaking the Old Testament covenant, but it's not what the Mishnah teaches. It's the purity law. This, this law that I was brought up with all my life, that I'm, I'm not supposed to associate or be acquainted with Gentiles, that law is just, that's been broken. The dietary laws, because anytime people get together in the Middle East, there's always food. Always. And so the food that you're going to serve today in this Gentile, I'm going to eat it. Because God has taught me a valuable lesson that there's no more dividing line between the common and the holy anymore. So the pure, God, God revised the purity laws. God explained that in, in a vision. And Peter got it. And he had no objections. And then the next thing I just think is somewhat comical because this little cameo ends with, so why did you send for me? And that just speaks volumes to me. I mean, God is saying something huge to Peter. But the reason that Peter would come from Joppa to Cornelius' house, that he doesn't realize, I don't know, why did you send for me? I mean, I know God gave me a message. I, I've seen it's rearranged something, but I'm not really sure why you want me to be here. So, and that's where we go next week. But there are some things for you and I to talk about as a community of people following Jesus. And, and I think the first one is, is every society has purity laws. Every society has an order. Things are supposed to work this way. So you and I have been brought up, consciously or unconsciously, we all have a sense of what is right, what is wrong, socially acceptable, socially unacceptable, pure, impure. We've got it. And sometimes those purity laws of our society separate us from others. And what this account in our history is, there is a God who comes with a message to people like you and me following Jesus, and he says, there is no longer a purity law that's going to separate you from people. I'm going to cross over every boundary that humanity creates because I want everybody on the planet to hear the story of Jesus. 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to do what I'm about to do. I'm going to tell you a couple of the boundaries that I think that have been in my life. And, uh, and you can, I don't know, you could, I don't know what you're going to do with that. I don't know. But I, 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 was, I was raised in Amarillo, Texas. I was, I'm a high plains drifter. And uh, when I was in middle school, so ninth grade, there was black and there was white. That was a black school. I went to a white school. And we, we would play football. And so I remember being on a bus and I remember traveling to the black middle school where we played football game. And uh, we were very fortunate to win that game. And I remember getting back on that bus and I remember just the sea of black faces all around that bus and people started to throw rocks. And I remember my coach standing up and yelling all kinds of profanity for us to get out of there because we were in somebody else's territory. That was black, we were white. We got to go home. There, there was definitely a purity law in Amarillo, Texas where the black people lived and where the white people lived. And then when desegregation came, so I was in high school, I remember one black guy came to my high school. So I'm thinking, is that, I mean, that was it? I mean, where did all the black people go? Uh, did they, I mean, but we got, I guess we just, I guess that was it. We just have to have one in your school and everything's okay. So in our society, my society, my up, there, was, there were purity laws about race. As I've gotten older, uh, I, I've recognized there's purity laws about religion. So when we visit the Middle East, for example, last time I visited the Middle East, I went to Hebron. Hebron is the home, the birthplace, the burial place of, uh, not the birthplace, the burial place of Abraham and Sarah. And, and, and. The patriarchs are buried in Hebron. And where they're buried, uh, there is on one side a mosque, on the other side a synagogue. It's a building fused together. And with the group that I was with, uh, you, we couldn't go into the synagogue because the Jews that are living in Hebron are rather, rather violent. And so you're not really welcome in the synagogue, but we could go into the mosque. And I could remember people thinking, well, gosh, if I go into a mosque... Will I, I mean, will, will something get on me? I mean, will I become impure if I go into a mosque? And so then will I, like, would I get on, do I have to like, oh, take a shower then? You know, what, how, how do I get pure if I go into a mosque? So that, th those are purity laws. Those are unwritten rules that we have about how life works. But what if Jesus wanted me to visit was somebody in the mosque in Hebron that needed to hear about Jesus. Would my purity law keep me from going in? Because sometimes these laws on race or religion, they separate us from people. Susan's not up here, but I can tell one of her stories, and then she'll talk to me later about telling it. <laughs> Susan has a purity law about bars. She, every time she goes into a bar, which is not very often. <laughs> it's just when I invite her to come with me. Uh, she feels dirty. 
there's a purity somewhere within her upbringing was you don't go to bars because they're dirty places. And it just, it's just something there that it, it, were, it just, I don't know what's there. So again, there's, these, there's, there's places that we don't go. There's races we don't mix in with. There's religion that we don't want to mess with. And there's these purity laws that separate us. But we're reading about a God that says, I'm blowing open all the doors. I'm tearing down all the walls. My people, the people that follow me, are free to go everywhere I send them. Important. Everywhere I send them, they may go. They may cross every boundary because this is a story of my kingdom come. I want everybody on the planet to hear it. Go for it. Um, Do you sense the freedom in that? Wow. So, it just leads to what is God showing us Concerning our dividing walls. And then, and then what is the Holy Spirit whispering to us? About moving on. Telling the story. And then where are we invited to go? And then I, I think we can really learn a lot from Peter. That we, we don't have to go kicking and screaming. We can go without any objection. And we can also go without any kind of full explanation. I just know I'm supposed to go. And that's it. Now that I'm here, why did you send for me? Friends, family, <laughs> there is so much adventure wrapped up in this. this I just can't even imagine us as a community... Just saying, Lord, we want you to rearrange our view of the world. We want you to correct any purity law that we have because we, we want to be sent by you to everybody on the planet. And Lord, we're willing to go wherever you send us without any kind of full explanation. We'll, just, we'll find out when we get there. I think that is a wonderful invitation for us to follow Jesus. So would you like to stand with me? Would we be bold enough to invite the Holy Spirit just to kind of blow up the way we think things are supposed to work? So Lord, here we are. People like Peter. And Lord, it's true. We don't, we don't live in a culture that is quite as religiously saturated with ritual as Peter was. But Lord, we still, we come before you with a sense of what is right, what is wrong, what is proper, what is not. We have a sense of, of what would mix together, what would not mix together. We have a sense of if I go there, that I might, that I'm, something might get me. We all have these purity laws, Lord. We've all been brought up with them. And I know that as I read this story, I'm just so grateful 
that you want to blow up those laws that keep us separated from others that need to hear the story of Jesus. And so I do invite you, Holy Spirit, to rearrange the way that we think of our world so that we would be free to go wherever you want us to go, whenever you want us to go, to whomever you want us to go. Whether that's across town into the bar to sit down with somebody that needs to hear the story of Jesus. Whether, Lord, you're going to send us to Bethlehem or to Hebron. Whether, Lord, you might send us to Mexico, wherever, Lord. Wherever you might send us in our town. That, Lord, we would be a people that say, yes, Lord, we're willing to go wherever you're sending us. Because we know that, Jesus, you are for everybody on the planet. Every race, every, every religion, everybody. There's something new and something better for every human being in our generation. So, Lord, tear down these dividing walls. Lord, tear down these, these purity laws that keep us bound and keep us from being free to do what you're inviting us to do. Holy Spirit, I invite you to give us vision. Send us angels. Lord, help, help the words on the Bible just to jump off the page so that, Lord, we would be a people like Peter, willing to go to do that which is new, but that which is better. So, Lord, bless us in this adventure. We want to follow you. We want to go on this adventure. And so send us, Lord, uh, in your name. Amen. Uh, this is a touchy subject, so if I stepped on your toes, if you have questions, uh, if you need to back me into the corner and choke me, whatever, uh, you're welcome to. I'll go stand in the corner right now and uh, we can continue our conversation or I'd be glad to pray with anybody if, if you would like that. So thank you for our morning together.